Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we're looking at a program that can have life-changing implications for you and for those that you love. It's something that's been happening in the heart of Indian country for a number of years, and we've got two exciting guests with us, Lauren and Diana Fish. Glad to have you guys with us on today's show. Hi, David. Nice to be here. Guys, you have uh, been involved with an exciting, well, some people would call it a project. Other people would say it uh, just for what it is, a school, but it's much more than that. Tell us just a little bit about where you find yourself right now as we've got this phone connection from California where I'm recording to... We are in Holbrook, Arizona at Holbrook Indian School. That is excellent. I'm so glad that you guys carved time out of your schedule to join us on today's edition of American Indian Living. So Holbrook Indian School, those who are regular listeners of American Indian Living, they've heard of Holbrook. I've been on site in a number of venues, and we've had Holbrook students and staff interviewed on the program. But you folks, uh, I think, are not familiar to my audience. We just met recently when I was on a trip in Arizona. Tell us a little bit about how long you've been with Holbrook. Um, we have been here about five months already, and we um, are very excited to be here. I'm working as a clinical counselor, and the need is very great. There's challenges and rewards every day. And we were in Florida not too long ago and not looking to go anywhere, um, but circumstances and um, Providence arranged for us to be here. Okay, so Diana, let me get this straight. You and Lauren, uh, our team, you've been married for some time. Is that a safe assumption? Yes, but we've been married 23 years. Okay, that qualifies for some time. By the way, in in this day and age, congratulations. Thank Thank you. You feel blessed. So you guys are a team. You're there in Florida and I'm assuming you're relatively happy with what each of you were doing? Yes. In fact, uh, neither one of us had it in our minds to go anywhere. We were living uh, in a beautiful part of the country. We love Florida. And I was working for Florida Hospital doing their global mission initiatives, which was very near and dear to my heart. And Lauren? Um, I was working as a uh, clinical counselor. I had my own practice, and um, I was also... Um, being invited to be a part of uh, several exciting things in the area, including um, health initiatives um, as well as um, uh, counseling um, in other venues and um, also doing presentations and seminars. So um, things I very much enjoyed and uh, felt like I was valued and respected. Okay, so both of you are giving me a picture of kind of mid-career professionals, you're happy in what you're doing. Usually, in my experience, the only time people leave a part of the country, I shouldn't say the only time, 
I mean, there's family reasons, there's all kinds of things. But one of the most common scenarios is you've got one of these search groups that are looking for some special people with some special talents. They're offering you uh, some, you know, huge uh, incentive financially, you know, above and beyond what you're working for. Was was that kind of what happened? You were lured away from Florida by the uh, liberal. Um, t- tell me how this worked. Uh, boy, um, just in short, uh, I had actually gone to a conference in uh, it was 2014, November 2014, and came across a booth that had this beautiful horse-haired pottery, which got my attention, and went over and talked to the people at the booth and learned about first time about hearing about Holbrook Indian School. Bought a couple of pots, took them home, and didn't think a whole lot more about it. Um, and then Lauren. Um, well, all, all along, we had, as a couple, been wanting to do more for the community. Um, we had a passion for whole health, and we wanted to be able to reach people where they were at and in our community um, in that way. And uh, so that that was where we thought that the, the direction we thought that we were going. So July 4th of that next year, um, I was at a conference in San Antonio uh, by myself. Um, we um, had planned on both going, but I just ended up going last minute, actually. And um, there were probably uh, four or 500 uh, booths at this conference. And I happened by a booth and I noticed that it had horsehair pottery just like my wife had brought home. So I started talking to the people there. And um, I ended up talking to initially to uh, Anita Ojeda, who is an English teacher here and also the uh, principal's wife. And at the conference, I was helping out uh, my mother who had a booth there. And she had given me a name tag. And on the bottom of the name tag, she put my licensure, uh, LCSW, and Mrs. Ojeda noticed that on my name tag, and she said, does that mean licensed clinical something? And I said, well, yes, it does. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, we need one of those at our school. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And then we talked a little more, and she said, "Uh, and what does your wife do? And I said, well, she's a fundraiser for Florida Hospital, and her eyes got really big. And she called her husband, uh, Pedro Ojeda, the principal. She called him over to talk to me. And we chatted for a while, and um, he said, well, we could, um, you know, we'd be interested in talking to you more. And um, we exchanged contact information and kept in touch. And um, we actually um, were already going to be in Colorado for a vacation to visit family the um, end of July. And so... We arranged to come by the end of July, beginning of August, uh, to visit the school because we had never been here and uh, see the area. And just just to check it out, we weren't making any commitment. <laughs> we were we were just thinking we needed to pay attention to this strange opportunity that uh, the school had an opening for both of us. And uh, so we came and we looked around, and it was mid July. It was pretty hot and. We were thinking, yeah, well, you know, it'd be really hard to leave Florida. Our kids are in Tennessee. We love our jobs. So we weren't really, uh, at that moment, thinking that this was something we 
would really consider doing. And in fact, when I went to bed that night, I had convinced myself that it was okay. We didn't make any commitments. We don't have to, you know, come here. And uh, I came across a book in the room we were staying in the next morning, and um, I thought it looked familiar, the, the book that was on the shelf in the room. And I pulled out a book from the bag that I had packed for the trip, and it was the same book. And Lauren had picked up the book at the conference in July. Uh, someone had actually handed it to him, and I'd taken it out of a stack of books that he had brought back. And the book was called Follow, Anytime, Anywhere, at Any Cost. Hmm. And I felt like that was kind of a, a sign for me of that this was something we really needed to think about. So the book was titled Follow Anytime, Anywhere, at Any Cost? Yes. Okay. And this is um, an inspirational book from a spiritual perspective, or was it speaking uh, about other things? No, it, it was an inspirational book. Um, it was written by Dan McClafferty, uh, who's also out of College Dale. And uh, it, it does, it's talking about um, following Jesus. And uh, we had actually been praying about God leading in our lives and um, asking him for direction and saying, you know, that we, we want to serve you. We want to do follow you. And, and so here that was. I appreciate your story so much because this is something that resonates really across the, the lines of listenership that we have on American Indian Living. Many of the folks that tune in, some do come from a, a Christian perspective, but others uh, from Native traditions, uh, traditional religion. And I find, as a general rule, that my listeners are very interested in spiritual guidance and looking whether they refer to it as a great spirit or to God. And so your story, you're, you're drawing us in because I think everyone wants to have that certainty that they're in the right place at the right time. But mm-hmm. we're not to Holbrook yet. You're thinking you've got to be open to it, but something had to happen that made that clear to, to both of you at some point, right? That's right. Yeah. So um, I woke up in the morning and she had already been awakened she asked me, well, what do you think? And I said, well, I haven't, um, I don't have a clear um, uh, picture, you know, in my mind yet of um, what we need to do. And so we had the three and a half hour drive to Albuquerque where we were flying out of and she kept looking at me and I kept shrugging my shoulders and (laughs) then the four hour flight to Orlando and she was looking at me and I'd say, I don't have anything yet. (laughs) And uh, so we got back home, and um, we were home a couple of days. And uh, it was one evening I was home before she was, and I was making dinner. And um, I was feeling really depressed, uh, which is very unusual for me. I was feeling very down, kind of heavy. And um, I, um, I I was asking God what that was about. And he um, kind of showed me uh, a picture of how I was very content where we were at. I was feeling, like I said, uh, appreciated and valued in my work. Um, our network of, of friends in the community um, was um, really special. And when I saw that, I immediately said to God, well, I'm willing to go wherever you're calling us. You know, are you calling us there? 
and I had a very distinct impression of yes. And so I shared that with Diana when she got home. Mm-hmm. And um, we immediately started packing boxes of books, <laughs> even <laughs> though we hadn't been formally invited. We hadn't had an interview, but we just started packing. It was a very strange response. Uh, we we um, also sent in, obviously sent in our resumes uh, that out, that evening and heard back from Mr. Ojeda right away. And uh, he set up an interview, and a week later we had this formal interview over the phone. And at the end of the interview we asked, uh, they said, do you have any more questions? And we said, well, what's your timeline in terms of, of uh, an answer back? And they said, well, we hope to be on the phone. to get After you get off the phone, we'll discuss it, the group on the phone, and call you back in a half an hour. And we heard back from them, I think, within about 15 minutes. And they asked us if we'd be willing, and we said yes, and we had no idea what that meant. We didn't, we hadn't discussed any of the normal things you would discuss before accepting the job. We we knew it was going to be some major changes, um, it, you know, all the way around, but uh, it, it, we just knew in our hearts that this is where we needed to be, and... Uh, we just couldn't wait to get there. Wow! So that's uh, that's quite a story of really moving out of your comfort zone. I mean, no question about it. I mean, you're in a totally different environment there. And was it a little bit of a culture shock when you arrived on the campus to to live there instead of visit? Yes, it was. It was very much a culture shock. I do need to add that um, Laura and I met in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So the West is not a shock. Okay. You've lived, I lived in Colorado and in New Mexico for a part of my life. So I, I come, it, in some ways it was like coming home. Okay. But to, we, neither one of us have ever been, have ever worked on a boarding school campus. Uh, and of course, learning the, the uh, Navajo ways uh, has been uh, very interesting, but very different from what we're used to. Well, we want to hear more about not only your story, but what's happening at Holbrook, because I know our listeners will be interested in knowing what's happening there, some of the exciting stories that are coming from the uh, the halls there. You've mentioned a boarding school. Sometimes that brings up bad memories for people, but I know it's a very different, uh, different program there at Holbrook. We've got to step away just for a, a couple of minutes. I'm Dr. David DeRose. You're listening to American Indian Living. We've got more with uh, Lauren and Diana Fish. Exciting things that can make a difference in your life and for those that you love. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. My name is Florence A.Q. For lunch today, I had grilled chicken and squash. I am Zuni Indian, and I have the power to prevent diabetes. My name is D. Dakota Denesosi. I turned the TV off and took my nieces and nephews for a walk. We saw two jackrabbits, an eagle, and zero cartoons. I'm from the Dene Nation, and I have the power to prevent diabetes. 
Science has proven that if we lose as little as 10 pounds by walking briskly for 30 minutes, five days a week, and make healthier food choices, we can prevent diabetes. My name is Barbara Akisafuk Curtis. I'm losing weight and being more active. I am Alaskan Inupak Eskimo, and I have the power to prevent diabetes. For more information on how to prevent diabetes, talk to your health care provider. For free materials, call the National Diabetes Education Program at 1-800-438-5383 and ask for the power to prevent diabetes. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. This is Meryl Streep. Over the years, I have played some characters you could call controlling, but the truth is there's so much in life we can't control. But here's something we can colorectal cancer. It affects men and women, and it's the second leading cancer killer in the U.S., which is astounding, considering it's almost entirely preventable. Here's how. Most colon cancers start as polyps, and screening helps find polyps so they can be removed before they even turn into cancer. Screening also finds this cancer early, when treatment works best. For me, screening was simple and quick. It was no big deal, except for the huge sense of relief you feel afterwards. There are several tests that you can choose from. If you're 50 or older, you should talk to your doctor. Decide which one's right for you. Take control. Do everything you can to prevent colon cancer. Screening saves lives. It could really save your life. For more information, call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Dr. David DeRose, your host, back with you. We're speaking to Diana and Lauren Fish. They are working with Holbrook Indian School in Holbrook, Arizona. Before we talk more about your story and some of the exciting things happening at Holbrook, for those who don't know the uh, Southwest very well, someone might say, well, I've heard of Phoenix. Where is Holbrook in relation to Phoenix, Arizona? Uh, Holbrook is three and a half hours northwest of Phoenix. Oh, sorry, northeast of Phoenix. Okay. We're in the high we're in the high desert. It's about five thousand feet here. In fact, uh, we're next door to the uh, Petrified Forest, which is a national park. Okay, so you're northwest of Phoenix. Uh, northeast. Oh, northeast. Okay. So basically, are you actually within um, the Navajo Nation? We're just uh, south of that. We're, all of our kids do come, or most of them do come from there, but um, we're just south of that. Okay, so you're not actually on tribal lands. No, we do have an elementary school that's part of um, Holbrook that is in Chin Lee, um, and so that is on tribal land, and uh, it's a first grade through eighth grade, one-room class, one-room school room. Okay, and so Chin Lee is how far from you guys? About two hours, uh, north and a little bit east. Okay, so basically we've got a little lay of the land there. You both have some roots in the southwest, completely happy, at least it seemed, everything going well in Florida, and then you make this uh, huge transition. Uh, you might say, as you mentioned, Diana, in a way going back home, but still pulling up roots. And as you mentioned, you've got children, I'm assuming at least two of them in Tennessee, because you use the plural. Yes, we have four sons and five grandsons and three daughter-in-laws. 
So we had quite a bit of family in the Chattanooga area. Okay. It was very difficult for me to leave. That That is a tough thing for a mother to leave her kids. So how is how does someone make a decision like that? And even at this point, you mentioned it hasn't been all that long that you've been there. Does it look like you made a good decision? Or are you already saying, wow, we just moved too hastily and I'm just looking for a way to get back to Florida? Not at all. We pinch ourselves every day. We can't believe we're here. It, it It's really hard to describe. But we, uh, speaking for myself, I should say, Every day, I just have this sense of awe that are we really here, and we we just feel like we've been here a long time already. Uh, it, there's a wonderful group of people that are very committed to helping these, our students, and you know we talked a little bit about um, the fact that it's a boarding school, mm-hmm. and that does have some negative connotations, especially um, for those uh, several years ago. Uh, but Holbrook is very different. Uh, we are not here to change the culture of our students. We are here actually to help them uh, reconnect with their culture, mm. with their traditions, and with, um, but at the same time uh, give them a safe place to be. Uh, many of our students are, you know, from situations where they uh, need uh, to be away from home. Mm-hmm. And that's not true for all of our students. A lot of our students are here for the academics. Um, but we want to provide a safe, healing place for these kids to grow and learn and be able to uh, live good whole lives. So what would the day-to-day work, Lauren, that you're involved with, a, a, a clinical social worker, I don't usually think of as being an integral part of a high school, but maybe that just reveals the fact that I'm not, uh, I've never been an educator at the high school level. I've taught in a couple of colleges over the years. A lot of times if there's a counselor or a social worker involved at the high school level, it's usually a guidance counselor mm-hmm. or a case manager of some kind. So this is a very unique situation, um, but um, some of the level of uh, needs uh, mo- emotional and mental health needs of the students uh, really almost dictates that this is um, something that needs to happen. And it, it really is a part of um, the New You initiative that uh, was started here about three or four years ago. And it um, includes uh, academics or intellectual pursuits. It includes uh, emotional health or well-being uh, it includes uh, physical health and well-being and also includes the spiritual health and well-being of the students. And so you're an integral part of helping students realize their full potential in all those those realms. Yeah, it's, it's uh, quite a unique situation um, being here at a school. Um, we have about 70 students right now, and I think in my um, uh, file I have about uh, almost 50 folders. So I've, I've seen a good percentage of the students already. And some of them might just need to come in for a, a checkup or, you know, maybe they're having a hard day. Uh, but some of them have some real significant issues that um, they need some professional help with. And I'm just really honored to be able to be available for them here. 
That's tremendous. So you clearly see that there's a special niche for you there, that you're making a big difference. What about you, Diana? I mean, fundraising, uh, that sometimes can be a pretty tough area to work in. Has that been a challenge there at Holbrook for you? Yeah, of course it is a challenge. I think uh, with our academies and schools, uh, typically, you know, there's um, support comes in through tuition and uh, that's not the case here. So we are uh, very dependent on donations and gifts from people who are passionate about the work that we're doing. About 85% uh, comes directly from uh, donors, uh, 85% of our budget. And so it, it is challenging. Uh, there's a lot of traveling involved. Uh, we, don't, we can't depend on our local community uh, to support us. And so we, it's really, uh, in my mind, it's God's work, and I just try to get up every day and, and do what he tells me to do. <laughs> well, this is exciting, Diana, uh, just hearing from you that basically each day you're waking up looking to God or the great creator, the great spirit, however someone might want to uh, frame that from their own spiritual walk, and you feel that hey, I'm in the right place. Lauren is feeling that way. But I need you guys to help us because I know there's a lot of my listeners tuning in right now and they're not at the place you're at right now. They they may be in a, a job situation, a living situation where they're saying, this is just not working. This is not satisfying. How do you find that special place? Do you have any advice based on your recent or your experience in the past? Uh, well, I know for me, um, I, um, was trying to find meaning in, in my work. I was trying to, um, find value in what I was doing and I was, um, but there was always uh, a little something left out. And I think for me, when I told God, I want to be where you want me to be, and then I want to give you. I want to give you each day, like like I, I I surrender my day to you, Creator God. And what happens then is, even if the day doesn't go as I have planned, I know at the end of the day it went as God had planned, and so I can trust that at the end of the day I did what I needed to do and I was where I needed to be. Great. I mean, I appreciate that philosophy. I, to be honest with you, I try to do something similar and really, you know, longing for that uh, guidance beyond myself. Diana, is that a, a similar experience that you have as well? Uh, yes. In fact, I'm, for for as long as I can remember, I've always wanted there to be purpose and meaning in my work. And early on, uh, before I even realized that I was in a career, I, I kind of like most fundraisers come in reluctantly. I don't know if you know that about development, but most people aren't born wanting to be a development officer. <laughs> it's something that they typically fall into. And so when I started out, I enjoyed what I was doing, but I didn't feel any great connection of that this had real purpose and meaning mm -hmm. in what I was doing. And so I went from, you know, my early career into healthcare, uh, and that um, was starting to fulfill some of that, uh, but you know, in corporate healthcare, it's it's big business. It doesn't it doesn't feel quite um, like 
you're making a major impact uh, on your community uh, in, in a philanthropic kind of way. So from there, I had been praying again, just asking for direction, and I came into Global Missions, and that really was uh, hitting uh, at my heart in terms of feeling like this was what I was meant to do. And uh, so it was really, uh, really interesting to see uh, me be able to move away from that and come to Holbrook Indian School. And I have to tell you, it it has more than met that need in my heart to uh, want to serve others and and to know that what we are doing here every day is making the difference in the lives of these young people. It's so exciting, Diana and Lauren, to hear about the difference you're making, that you're finding meaning and purpose in life. You're making a difference. We're going to hear more about Holbrook Indian School. We're going to hear more about uh, how you can tap into a place that might be giving you more fulfillment, a greater sense of meaning than where you find yourself. We've got all that coming up in our next segment of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We've got to step away just for a couple minutes. We will be back with more on today's edition of American Indian Living. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. I'm Karen, and two very important people in my life, my husband and my father, have been diagnosed with atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibrillation, or AFib, is a type of irregular heartbeat. People with AFib are five times more likely to have a stroke than people without AFib. Talk with a healthcare professional today about your risk and learn how to manage AFib to prevent a stroke. Visit stroke.org slash AFib to learn more. My name is Mira Batra. I have been in this country 32 years, and this is how I live united. America has always been the land of promise, and in my community, many families have come for a better life. Coming from another culture myself, I know the desire to become part of a community, to feel at home, and to gain the tools for our children and families to succeed. So I advocate for these families with United Way. United Way empowers them to look beyond their histories and to see what opportunities are available. We help them get involved with their kids' schools, network within the community, and when we do, we unite them. We make the community stronger. What I do is something I wish someone had done for me, and I am so grateful I am able to. My name is Meera Batra. I help families see opportunities and succeed. I don't just wear the shirt. I live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Did you know that 63% of homes contain allergens from cockroaches? And that mice spread potent asthma triggers found in 82% of homes. It's true. Common household pests are major offenders on the list of indoor allergens. Learn what you can do to help your family breathe easier. Visit PestWorld.org. A public service message from the National Pest Management Association and the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. 
Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with the second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose with Lauren and Diana Fish. They've been sharing their journey to make a difference in Indian country. And uh, if you've been listening between the lines, it sounds like they have been blessed uh, as much as they've been a blessing. They're sharing uh, with uh, mostly a Navajo or Diné uh, student body there in Holbrook, Arizona. One of the questions that we've been talking about and things just running through my mind, and we were speaking about it some at the break, is just those individuals who are listening in today, they may be from a First Nations background. They may have grown up on a reservation, but now they're in an urban area. Maybe they don't have Native roots, and they're listening to this show, and they're saying, wow, I've got a great job, uh, live in a beautiful place, but I just don't feel fulfilled. And how do I get to that point where Lauren and Diana were at? Do you folks have any insights? Can you help someone who may be struggling with where they're at in life? Maybe they are successful. Maybe people think their life is great, but they have a sense of need. For me, I and I tell my children this and uh, any young people that will listen, um, if your work is not work, then you'll enjoy your life much more. And so I guess to um, uh, put that in a nutshell, if you wake up in the morning and you're excited about what you're going to be doing that day, it's a lot easier to get out of bed. So a lot of people are in work situations just because they got to pay the bills. And granted, you folks have some solid training behind you that's allowed you to fit into the positions there where they were needed at Holbrook. What about the person who says, well, I'd love to do something like you're doing, but I don't have that uh, licensed clinical social worker uh, training, or I don't have that experience in fundraising. What do you tell someone like that who wants to be in a more fulfilling position but maybe feels all they can do is uh, work in the job they're at that is not very fulfilling? Well, David, from a Christian perspective, you have to trust, first of all, that God is going to take care of you. And so when you're able to do that, thinking financially, then you can take making money out of the equation. I mean, obviously, we have to make money to pay the bills. But if you're trusting that God is going to provide what you need, then you can start thinking in terms of what do what can I do that I feel fulfilled in doing instead of what can I do that I'll make a lot of money. And Lauren, yes, he has a degree. I do not have a degree. In fact, when back several years ago, I had I had opted out of going to college, and I went into the Navy. And when I got out of the Navy, I didn't have any marketable skills, so I found myself working at Pizza Hut. And when I started to turn my life over to our creator, instead of trying to run things myself, doors started opening. I found myself working in jobs that I never would have thought that I would be working in. Mm. And to be where I am today in the in the job that I'm doing, uh, it. It wasn't something that I set out to do. It was something that I feel, like I said, from a Christian perspective, that I was led and that doors were opened. And as I was open to God's leading, uh, those doors, you know, continued to open. 
And we feel that when a door shuts, that it's an opportunity for something new. And it's, you know, so you say you're in a job and you're getting laid off. It's not the end of the world because that means that there's an opportunity to be doing something that is more meaningful. Well, I think there's a great philosophy, and whether someone is a Christian or not, as we mentioned earlier in the show, many of our listeners might be saying, well, I don't believe in Jesus, but I do believe in a creator, and I do believe in spiritual guidance, and I'm seeking that creator's will for my life. I think it's the same message that I hear you saying, and that is really don't try to micromanage everything yourself, but realize that there is... uh, a God, there is a creator, there is the ability to have guidance outside yourself. Is that sound uh, strange from a, a counseling perspective, Lauren? Does that worry you when people start talking that way in your counseling sessions? No, and um, like I said, I really take a whole person approach. So I encourage uh, the students I work with to um, really um come to grips and figure out what that is to them, what that looks like to them, Um, because we're not just emotional, intellectual, and physical uh, beings. We also have a spiritual aspect as well, and that needs to be addressed, and um, it's a very important part. There's been research that has shown that um, people who have a spiritual foundation of some kind are able to withstand crisis in all the other areas of their lives, And when they don't have that spiritual foundation, it can be very devastating. Powerful insights. Well, a number of things have come up in this show that I would say are loose ends. I mean, you've got me curious, and I know many of our listeners are probably curious. In a couple of different, very different contexts, we've talked about things that relate to finances. I think the first one has to do with your own finances. And some are probably wondering, was this a job, career move that really is bringing a lot more money into the fish family coffers. Uh, Definitely uh, not bringing, you know, more money in, but we find that we have a surplus. What what we have experienced is our our cost of living has gone down substantially. Mm -hmm. We are now a one-car family instead of a two-car family. Uh, We've been able to pay off debt because that was one of the things that we had uh, been working on for several years, we had actually prayed and asked God to help us get out of debt, and we just finished off paying finished paying off Lauren's student loans, which we thought we'd be carrying into retirement. Wow! Literally, and uh, so in those ways, again, when we when you put when you make God's priorities your priority, when you stop re- trying to run things on your own agenda, uh, then things. God just miraculously works things out. I can't can't say it any better than that. Um, so, no, we didn't take a pay increase, yet we have more money than we've probably ever had. Um, it, it's hard to explain. You know, we're not going to ask for actual uh, salary figures, but can you give us an <laughs> can you give us an idea percentage wise your income as a couple? Uh, you've you said you've taken a decrease. I mean, five percent, ten percent, more than that. I think I took about a maybe a 50% decrease in pay from working at a big corporate uh, healthcare system. Wow. Uh, I was kind of in the top of uh, my field in terms of I was, you know, as a development officer, I was at the top of that 
so coming here, um, I came in kind of not quite at the top of the, my pay, and I do have some room to grow, uh, but it it was significant. But it didn't matter. It, it mm-hmm. actually hasn't even phased me. Now, Lauren's works uh, is a little more stable because when you're in your own practice, you know, clients come and go, and so that come, goes up and down in terms of pay. But that was uh, starting to really take off for him just as we uh, accepted this position. And also, David, there's some faith involved, too, because like, like we said, um, the 85% of the budget is um, driven by, by donors and people who um, want to contribute to the program here. Well, and that's really the the other financial question that I think our, our discussion is big. So not only were you folks willing to step in a position where your income dropped, but like you've shared, I mean, it's a remarkable story because some people shy away from those service opportunities. I know some folks in Indian country, they might have a very successful position in an urban area, and there's some opportunity to come back to the reservation, make a difference. And I've heard similar stories from people that I don't think would would say they're coming from any Christian perspective, but uh, similar stories where people to make a difference, to give back, whatever terminology you want to use, uh, do the kind of things you're doing. And at the end of the day, yes, their income may be less, but they're they're thanking the creator that they made that move. Let's come to that issue of tuition, if you will, and the uncertainties as far as even meeting the payroll at Holbrook. Give me an idea, because uh, you probably I, I maybe you don't know exactly, but do you have an idea of what it costs for a student to live there at the uh, Indian school and, of course, get the education? You know, you're feeding them, you're providing everything. What What is the cost of that? Well, costs are up around $2,000 per student per month, but we do get, uh, we receive um, a, a small subsidy or a subsidy from uh, the Pacific Union Conference uh, that um, brings it down to we think around twelve hundred dollars a month, and of course it, it's not possible for our students to pay that. What we ask from our students is about eighty-seven dollars a month. Wow! And that covers room and board and all the classes and books and a lot of the yeah, activities and clothing sometimes in some cases. So for for about for less than a hundred dollars a month is what you're asking of the students. And am I understanding right that even if someone had a hardship with that, there might sometimes be some scholarship monies possibly available? Yes, there's scholarships monies that cover the difference between what we ask the students and what the costs are. And then there's there are for hard there are other hardship scholarships. So this is this is remarkable because. Many schools, I I know there's a, a boarding high school close to where I live here in Northern California, and it's very pricey. Uh, people have to often sacrifice quite a bit to send their students there. And I, I would not be surprised from what I've heard if it is around 2000 a month for the tuition. Uh, if, you know, surely, surely in that, you know, 1000 to... A fifteen hundred range, so you're basically delivering that same caliber, that same you know, just as costly a uh, a product. If you want to speak about it in a, a little bit more sterile language, but 
the funds are coming in from from donors largely to make the difference? We have some very dedicated uh, people who have supported this ministry, this mission for years. Um, and so, it, it, you know, sometimes it's uh, months and months, it's a little tight. <laughs> and we, we do uh, start to panic a little bit every now and then. And uh, we are very blessed that the Pacific Union Conference says, help us when we need it, uh, but then we do have to pay that back, and so it's it's a challenge. Well, let's let people know. If there's someone who wants to learn more about Holbrook, maybe they have a student who's struggling in their school environment, maybe it's an unstable family situation, they think it would be great to have that grandchild in a boarding environment where it's supportive of culture, it's not going to try to uh, take away their language, but it's going to reinforce that. How does someone learn about Holbrook, either to attend or to help with the funding? Well, you can look us up online. We're at holbrookindianschool.org, or they can call. There's a phone number, 928-524-6845. Okay, let me see if I've got that. So holbrookindianschool.org, that's the website. That is correct. And the phone number? 928-524-6845. Well, we're not done with today's show. We'll give you that contact information one more time in our final segment. we got to step away just briefly, but we will be back. American Indian Living continues with more from Holbrook Indian School. Don't go away. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. What I say, you already know, but you don't believe. You won't accept. You don't conceive. When you're inside your car, you feel safest of all. Are you safe? Are you? Two tons of sheet metal in your hands. Two tons don't run on autopilot. You have a mission. It's no collision. Hold the phone. Don't text. You're angling to be next. Oh, you've done it before. What's the harm? Just this once. There's no alarm. Got your hands on the wheel? No big deal. Brothers and sisters, you won't see it coming. You're off the road. Your life explodes. It's not worth it. Don't do it. You only think there's nothing to it. Put it down, hang up, pay attention to highway action. Behind the wheel, there is no such thing as a small distraction. Join the conversation at DecideToDrive.org, a public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, who would rather help keep your bones strong than put them back together. We are here to say a word about cancer. When you talk to someone who has been diagnosed with cancer, be positive. Be supportive. That's it. Stop right there. Don't start telling them about your Uncle Vern. Or the next-door neighbor. Don't be grim. Try not to disappear, either. Don't cross to the other side of the street. Don't stop calling. Don't cry. Don't ever say, you're living my worst nightmare. You know who you are. Here's the important part. Be positive. Be positive. Se positivo. Say these words. You will do great. Keep calling. Check in. Be a friend. Or be a new friend. Be a supportive. Positive friend. Smile. Try not to be afraid. Or act afraid. Fear is not useful. Be a funny, hopeful human being. If you come across cancer, let it transform you into your most positive self. And inspire. Urge. Fortify. Rally. Encourage someone to do great. 
This message brought to you by Cancer Survivors. For more information, to hear stories or share your own, visit DoGreatCampaign.com. Do great. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. We're in our final segment now of American Indian Living. Today's edition focusing on Holbrook Indian School in Holbrook, Arizona. Diana and Lauren Fish are with me for the final segment. And as we've been talking together, I've enjoyed getting a little bit better acquainted with both of you, just perhaps uh, as a way of honoring one of... uh, one individual who's made a big difference in Indian country, I will tell our audience that we met actually not long ago at a memorial service for John Stevens. John Stevens was someone who uh, uh, had Native American uh, issues very close to his heart and uh, actually had been involved with the American Indian Living Radio program. I know he'd been a faithful supporter of Holbrook Indian School in many different ways, and uh, it was a privilege to be there at his memorial service. We were sorry for his passing, but uh, it was exciting to just see some of the lives that uh, John had touched over the years through his uh, generosity and through his vision. He was a uh, an educator, a leader, and... Um, it was great to meet you, Lauren and Diana. I think our paths might have crossed before, but we got a little bit better acquainted in that venue. Tell us a little bit from your perspective about why you're excited about things that are happening at Holbrook. What's what's exciting you guys? Well, as a counselor, I don't feel like I'm working alone. A lot of times as a counselor, you can feel isolated, but I really feel like we have a whole team approach here. And one of the Parts of the New You initiative that I'm really excited about is the Garden to Plate. And it gives the students an opportunity to actually go and work in the garden uh, at all the different levels um, from uh, preparing the soil and the greenhouses um, to uh, growing the plants to uh, harvesting and uh, preparing them for sale and uh, to be used in the cafeteria here as well. So I really feel like that when our students have an opportunity to get outside to, um, you know, get their hands dirty, so to speak, that it also helps them emotionally, and uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's really neat to be a part of this program. That is exciting. For me, it's the horsemanship program. We give our students an opportunity to work with the horses. They learn to ride. And just recently, with the Hash Knife Pony Express, that's a big deal here in Arizona, our students were able to ride in the parade. And it's a big deal because the, our horses aren't used to being out uh, in public, on streets. You know, they're, they're really meant to be rode around campus. And so to have our students be able to go into town and ride these horses and do as well as they did. And we had one student who has a, an amazing story. She was... Um, a premature baby and in and out of hospitals most of her life. And she uh, is developmentally disabled physically, and she was able to ride the horse and in town. And it was just an amazing thing to see her accomplish this. And many students are able to overcome their fears um, uh, as they work with these horses. That's a favorite program of mine. Well, this sounds really exciting. Uh, from what I've heard of Holbrook over the years, you're just confirming, and that is, 
it's more than a school. I mean, you've got a, a farm program or a garden program, however you want to define it. You've got a horsemanship program. You also do a lot of other traditional Native American crafts and things. Am I understanding that correctly? Uh, they learn pottery. They learn the tradition of pottery, and some of them are amazing at it. And we do actually sell the pottery, um, so that's one of the things. And they do learn their language. There's a class in Navajo language that is taught uh, by one of our teachers here who is Navajo, and um, it's actually one of the things that a lot of the elders um, uh, complain about is that the younger people are losing contact uh, with their culture, and so we feel like this is a way that we can uh, help them to uh, reconnect. So now, my understanding is, although because of your proximity to the Navajo Nation, you draw largely from uh, Navajo student uh, body, but you also have students from other tribal backgrounds or have had over the years. Is that still the case? Yes, it is. We actually currently have three students who are Apache. We have a Havasupai, um, and we've had in the past um, Lakota Sioux. Okay, so so people of any indigenous background are welcome at the school. Is that the the message? Absolutely. And give us a little bit of picture. Someone's listening today, and I mentioned this possible scenario earlier. Someone thinks, well, maybe this school would be a fit for my student or my grandchild or this student on the res whose parents are maybe not in a a good situation to provide uh, a stable home environment. Maybe it's illness in the home or something else. And the thought comes to them, well, maybe Holbrook is an option. Is it a long process and difficult process to get into the school? I mean, is there a waiting list of a 1,000 people to get in? At the beginning of the school year, we do have a waiting list. Uh, But throughout the school year, uh, it's not uncommon for a student to leave for various reasons. And so then openings do come up. And I do believe right now we have openings. Uh, There's... um, an opportunity to get on, you know, to get enrolled early for the next school year so that you aren't on a waiting list. So it's not a difficult process. We make it uh, as easy as possible. And so we invite anyone to give us a call or look us up online and, and to start that process. Okay, so I promised that we'd give that contact information out again. And so if I simply go to holbrookindianschool.org, that is going to give me all the information I need. Is that true? Yes, that is. And if you're if you're not able to find that, then if you give us a call, we'll be happy to help you. And the number to, to call would be what? 928-524-6845. Okay, so 928 area code 524-6845. Correct. You know, as we're winding up the show... And uh, folks are listening. You've challenged us with your own journey. You were willing to step out of your comfort zone to do something that many people would label a sacrifice, but you're saying you're being more than repaid for anything you left behind. Your finances are better. You're more fulfilled. So you've inspired us with that vision. You've told us a little bit about some of the exciting things happening at the Holbrook Indian School. But there's one other part of the story And this may be an encouraging part. It may be a part that's maybe a little bit uncomfortable to some people. You were speaking about the supporters of your program, and you mentioned the Pacific Union Conference. Now, that's a a Seventh-day Adventist entity. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Now, 
so you've got a significant amount of funding coming from one particular church or faith community. Maybe that would be the more appropriate way to mention it. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, Holbrook Indian School, although that's what I've always heard it called, its full name is actually something different. Is that right? That's right. It's Holbrook Seventh-day Adventist Indian School. Now, today, a lot of people know of Seventh-day Adventists. They know that they've had a long-term emphasis on whole person health, uh, but it is a Christian organization. Is everyone who comes there, do they have to be Christians and Seventh-day Adventists? No, most of our students are uh, non-Christian. We do have a few Christian students coming, and I'd say the majority of them are not Seventh-day Adventists. So how does that work out? I mean, are, are, how does that? So how does that work out? Are students uh, uncomfortable? Are the families uncomfortable that there's some religious connections, or are you basically working with people wherever they're at? My experience has been that the uh, families appreciate the emphasis on um, um, morals and values, um, even though they may be traditional themselves, they appreciate that uh, we as a school focus on morals and values and encourage the uh, students uh, in that way as well. We're not, our focus isn't to hold the students to a particular set of beliefs. It's really more to model uh, our beliefs to them, to show them love, to show them compassion, to help them uh, find where their place is in life, to help them get a good education to help them overcome the challenges that they are facing. We're, we're really not here to, um, to push a, a set of beliefs, but to introduce them to something else and let them make their own decision on that. Well, I think the testimony to what you're saying being true is the fact that you draw students largely from a non-Christian demographic. Yes. Well, believe it or not, Lauren and Diana, our time has really all but slipped away from us. I know that uh, the time has gone by quickly for me, and I know for some of our listeners, they're probably still uh, hoping one more time to get some contact information. You just make sure that I've got this correct. I've got written down holbrookindianschool.org for a website, and then for a phone number, 928-524-6845. Will that do it? Correct. That is right. Great. Well, thank you both for joining us on today's edition of American Indian Living. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Nice talking with you. Okay. Continued success in your work there. We have got to go. Again, a special show focusing on Holbrook Indian School, opportunities for you to be involved, to be a supporter, to maybe help a Native American youth get out of maybe a difficult situation they're in and find some other opportunities for education. All there at HolbrookIndianSchool.org. Hopefully you've enjoyed today's show. And as always, I'm hoping that today's show helps you have the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Service.